So open up a Bible uh, to Mark chapter 7. We're um, continuing the series of uh, Mark. We're going to be in Mark 7 uh, from verse 31 uh, this morning. Mark 7 uh, from verse 31. I'll give you a couple of seconds to get there. Um, we're going to be looking at, at a couple of verses and, and scriptures this morning. So if you're a note, if you're a note taker, um, you may have to take lots of notes and, and revert back to um, some stuff later on. Um, let me let, <clears throat> let me read and then and then pray and then we'll dive in to this Mark seven, from verse thirty one again. Leaving the region of Tyre, he went by way of Sidon to the Sea of Galilee through the region of the Decapolis. They brought to him a deaf man who had difficulty speaking and begged Jesus to lay his hand on him. So he took him away from the crowd in private. After putting his fingers in the man's ears and spitting, he touched his tongue. Looking up to heaven, he sighed deeply and said to him, Epata, that is, be opened. Immediately his ears were opened, his tongue was loosened, and he began to speak clearly. He ordered them to tell no one, but the more he ordered them, the more they proclaimed it. They were extremely astonished and said, he has done everything well. He even makes the deaf hear and the mute speak. Let's pray uh, together as we dive into this this morning. We, we ask you, Father, that um, again, uh, as, we, as we look at your word, as we listen to it, um, that particularly as we look at this account this morning, that you would, you would speak to us. Thank you that you've given us um, ears to hear you. And we pray for those, for that spiritual understanding again this morning, that the um, Holy Spirit, you would be teaching us. You would be opening up our eyes to see what we need to see and our ears to hear, and that our hearts would be receptive to, to your voice and to your teaching and to your revelation this morning. Thank you for the promise of the work of the Holy Spirit to continue to lead us into truth and to, and to reveal uh, your word to us and, and bring it to life in our hearing and in our hearts. And so we look to you for that this morning, that we as, as a people would be strengthened by the teaching work and ministry of the Holy Spirit through your word this morning. Thank you for this. And we ask you to help us now in Jesus' name. Amen. This is, the, <clears throat> this is the only place uh, in the Gospels where you find, when you find this particular account. Um, it's only here uh, in Mark. And <clears throat> I think a question you have to ask whenever you see something like this is why, why does Mark um, include this particular healing? Uh, Jesus, Jesus healed a, <clears throat> a lot of people, um, lots of the lame, uh, blind, deaf, mute, um, crippled, all this kind of stuff like demon possessed. And then we have a lot of recorded healings of particular interactions that Jesus has with people. Why, why is this one um, here? Uh, in addition to that, I want to remind you as we go through uh, Mark that there's, there's always these layers of meaning that we see in the scriptures. There's, there's what you, you read there and it's simple and clear. Jesus heals this guy. But um, remember all the, all of the parables, all of the, all of the miracles point to something in addition to what we see 
um, at the surface level. And that's particularly true um, of what we're going to see this morning. And what we see in this, in this miracle is Jesus, Jesus restoring hearing and restoring speech. Uh, and the old preaching way of putting it is loosening this man's tongue. And um, that's the throwback to the Old Testament, you know, loosening his tongue. So we see Jesus restoring an ability to hear and loosening the man's tongue. Now, this, is, this is massively important. I want you to bank that phrase because as we go through, Lord willing, it'll become clearer and clearer. But <clears throat> before, we, before we dive into the particulars of this miracle, I want, us to, I, want, I want us to take a bit of a journey backwards because the connection between hearing and speech uh, is, a, is, is a wonderfully interesting and massively important theme all the way through the scriptures, all the way through God's interactions with, with humanity. This, um, this connection between hearing and speaking is really, really important. And it's, it's really important for us to understand that as the backdrop to what Jesus is doing uh, in this miracle. Yeah. Um, the Bible it reveals God as a God who speaks. Um, this, is, this is one of the, the things about the, the, the Christian God, let me say that, our God, that is wonderful and different to um, some other deities. Our God um, speaks, he reveals himself to us, and he interacts with um, his creation. If you go all the way back to the beginning, so right at creation, it says, uh, we don't have time to read all of these passages, but in Genesis, you see, and God said, and God said, God, and God said amongst themselves, this communication within the Trinity, the idea to create, and then creation is spoken into being. Um, it says in, um, in Hebrews, in, in, in chapter one of Hebrews, describing Jesus, it says he sustains all things by the power of his word. So not only, not only is creation brought into being, um, through his speech, but it's, it's sustained uh, by, by the power of his word. Uh, this, God who, this God who speaks. Um, so creation, creation is spoken into being, but creation itself speaks. Um, creation itself has a voice. Um, you, you'll probably be familiar with Psalm 19, but it's worth rereading the, those first four verses of Psalm 19 again. It says this, the the heavens declare, the heavens declare the glory of God, and the expanse proclaims the works of his hands. Day after day, they pour out speech. Night after night, they communicate knowledge. There is no speech, and there are no words. Their voice is not heard. Their message has gone out to the whole earth, and their words to the ends of the world. Uh, what we're reading here is that the, the heavens are declaring um, creation. When we look outside our windows and you look up at the sun and the stars, that's all speaking day after day in every single language all around the world, declaring the glory of God. Um, so not only is creation spoken into being, but creation continues to speak and declare the glory and the wonder of God. They're communicating knowledge and we should look up, and Romans says this, um, Paul says this in Romans, he says that everyone is without excuse because if you just look at the natural world, uh, there's enough revealed about God to, to provoke you to want to know him more. You know, like 
creation is is testifying to the creator it's speaking um theologians like to call this and 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 a few other things like the book of nature a book of nature that you can read that declares something reveals something about who god is and his nature but there is more than just the book of nature they also talk about the book of the law uh, the book of the law there's two different books that we can read book of the nature book of of, of the law and for this i want to i want us to wind back to to um some again more some some old testament history beginning with abraham um we're going to do redemptive history 101 in like two minutes uh, here so uh, unfortunately this is this is to be way too short but uh god chooses a man god chooses a man uh, through nothing necessarily in that man nothing special about that man abraham and, and he he calls him to follow him and and to go to a place that he'll show him and abraham responds in, in faith to god and he says to abraham that um through him all the nations of the earth will be blessed so god's going to choose one man and from that man a nation will come god is choosing that nation and the descendants of that nation through them all the nations of the earth will be blessed that's god's plan so it starts small starts with specifics specific nation but the the end goal is that all the nations of the earth will be blessed and in the in the choosing and in the in the choosing of this people and through abraham and choosing of israel as god initiates this kind of relationship with them he speaks to them he, he speaks I, I want to i want to read uh, from deuteronomy chapter 4 um from verse 32 this is this is moses um recounting again for people um some of what has already happened but it's 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 it's, it's a wonderful passage it's very helpful for us and um, to see this importance that God even places on, on speech and on people hearing him. Deuteronomy 4 verse 32, it says, uh, which dive in at verse 32, it says, Indeed, ask about earlier days that preceded you from the day God created mankind on the earth and from one end of the heavens to the other. Has anything like this great event ever happened? Or has anything like it been heard of? Has a people heard God's voice speaking from the fire as you have and lived? Or has a God attempted to go and take a nation as his own out of another nation by, by trial, signs, wonders, and war, and by strong hand and an outstretched arm by great terrors, as the Lord your God did for you in Egypt before your eyes? You were shown these things so that you would know that the Lord is God. There is no other besides him. He let you hear his voice from heaven to instruct you. What Moses is, is basically reminding the people of us is like, no one has ever heard God and lived. But you, Israel, you have heard God. He has spoken to you and you have lived um, through it because you are his chosen people. But the, the emphasis on this is that he has spoken. And, and he clarifies, he says, at verse 36, he says, he, you've heard his voice from heaven to instruct you. God speaks to initiate this a relationship with people and to instruct them, to give them his law, his, his ways of living, so that they would be his chosen people and they would know how to live and how to live as his people. And it would be a, a people different from the other peoples of the earth. Uh, this is how you should live. These are things that you should do and things you shouldn't do. This will mark you as my chosen people. And if you do these things, uh, 
the covenant will continue and it'll go well with you. And if you don't, it's going to go badly. We don't have time to go through all of these things. And it's repeated multiple times. But this, this starting of the relationship sets the pattern for God's relating to his people. Um, God speaks and they are to obey him. That God reveals his will and they are, the people are to listen uh, and to obey and to revisit God's law and obey it and action it. And if you go through the Old Testament, this is, this is sort of the pattern that you see. You see patches where the people listen uh, and they obey God and they do what he says. And um, those, are, those are sort of short patches, but lots of patches where they just ignore God or they rebel against what he said. They, 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 they just live in rebellion. They, they, they love other gods. They worship other gods. They, they do things in direct disobedience to what he's told them to do. Um, and there's a myriad of different ways that plays out. But um, this speaking and obeying and disobeying is this kind of almost dance that you see all the way through. Dance is maybe a bad word for it, but this relationship is how God's people relate to him and most of it is rebellion and endless patience from god in it and he sends his prophets to his people to constantly call them back say hey remember remember the lord remember and and calling them to repentance again and saying, stop doing this turn away from these worthless thing worthless things turn back to god and and you see pockets of revival happening uh, throughout the, these patches. And, and it's interesting when you read the Old Testament, these sections where God's people are revived are always um, characterized by um, a re-reading and a re-adherence of the law, of the words of God. They pay particular attention to, to God's law um, and, they are, and they respond to God in that. It's not like um, something else happens. It's the law that changes them. It's the hearing again of what God wants them to do. They respond to that anyway. Prophet after prophet comes and basically they're not getting it right. And he warns them. God warns them. He says, look, if you're going to not listen to me, um, there's going to be consequences. Um, and basically what happens is the people are taken into exile. Um, they're taken out of the land that God has promised them. In, in part, discipline from God. Consequence for disobedience. But even as he's disciplining the people, he's still promising a, a future where he, he won't abandon them and their hearts will turn back to him again through them uh, listening to him and responding with changed hearts to his word. They go into exile, they come back and they get settled in the land. I'm fast forwarding here very much. Um, they, they, they come back into the land, they return and they are waiting. They're waiting. Uh, there is a 400 year patch of silence where the people are waiting. They're waiting, they returned. They're not free. They're not free, to, free in their own land, but they're waiting for the Messiah because some, a, a lot of what the prophets prophesied was a Messiah who would come, one from amongst God's people who would come and liberate them and set them free and do amazing things amongst them uh, to show that God had come amongst his people to redeem, to redeem them. And it's into this 400-year at the end of that, the silence, in, into this comes Jesus. Into this comes Jesus. This is where the Gospels kick off. After this prolonged period of silence, Jesus comes announcing the kingdom of heaven and doing miraculous things. And I want to, I want to pick up on 
two of these prophecies in Isaiah, so Isaiah, verse, Isaiah chapter 32 and Isaiah 34, that particularly correlate with the miracle that we're looking at today. So we've seen this pattern uh, of the importance of God speaking and revealing through his speech and the importance on people hearing and obeying and acting um, and this way God relates to people and this long patch of silence and this prediction of Jesus. Now let's look at Isaiah. Let's look at Isaiah 32 first. Isaiah 32 verse 1 to 4. This is what Isaiah prophesies about the coming Messiah. It says this, indeed, a king will reign righteously and rulers will rule justly. Each will be like a shelter from the wind, a refuge from the rain, like flowing streams in a dry land and the shade of a massive rock in an arid land. Then the eyes of those who see will not be closed and the ears of those who hear will listen. The reckless mind will gain knowledge and the stammering tongue will speak clearly and fluently. This is what Isaiah is prophesying. Says there's a righteous king. He's going to come and some of what he's going to do is lots of things he's going to do. But one of the things that's going to happen when he comes is that the ears of people will be open and they'll be able to hear. And the ones who speak with a stammering tongue, um, they'll speak clearly and fluently. Um, jump to Isaiah 34. Um, We'll just look at verses four to six. Isaiah says this, say to the cowardly, be strong, do not fear. Here is your God. Vengeance is coming. God's retribution is coming. He will save you. Then the eyes of the blind will be opened and the ears of the deaf unstopped. Then the lame will leap like a deer and the tongue of the mute will sing for joy. What we see happening in the ministry of Jesus is this wonderful fulfillment. He, he's announcing himself to the people as the king of righteousness, as the, as the long-awaited Messiah. He's the one who is restoring hearing to the deaf and loosening the tongue of the mute so that they can praise and, and, and worship God. Um, and there's a sense in which, uh, obviously, he's doing it physically to this man. But as we said, there's layers of meaning, which we're going to dig into just a little bit after we look at the specifics of this miracle. There's, there's, a, there's a spiritual hearing um, that Jesus comes to, to restore, uh, an ability to hear God that the people had lost through their disobedience. They had lost this ability to hear God that, that turned almost spiritually deaf against them. And Jesus comes into the world to restore the spiritual hearing that's why he says again and again let those who have ears hear so those who, who can hear let them hear let the hearer understand he says again and again those who have eyes to see you know let them see um but before we dive into the other layers of this let's let's look briefly at this at this miracle at this specific encounter jesus is jesus is back uh, in the decapolis the decapolis is an is an area of, of sort of 10 decapolis is 10 cities it's a gentile area and um you may have you may remember the last time jesus was in the decapolis i don't know if anyone remembers what what happened last time he was there uh all hell broke loose uh, literally the last time jesus was in the decapolis uh, the uh, that demon possessed man uh possessed by legion and jesus drives the demons out of uh, this man into the herd of pigs and phew, off they go off the cliff kind of thing and this guy's restored to his right mind. And he tells this man, he says, go and tell everyone what's been done for you. 
go and tell everyone what's been done for you. And this guy obviously did a great job uh, because word is spread in amongst the Decapolis. When Jesus wanders back through there, these friends bring um, this guy who's mute uh, and deaf to Jesus. Um, and, and they bring him asking for, for healing. And there's so many wonderful things that happen that Mark just sort of mentions and we can easily skip over in this actual encounter. Um, the first is that Jesus takes this man aside. Um, he, he takes him aside away from the crowd, we assume, uh, with his disciples. But there's obviously a massive crowd of people wanting to see what's happening. And Jesus pulls this man to the side. And I, when I read that, I, I couldn't help uh, but be struck by some of the other stuff that I've seen. Um, I went through a patch. Um, you know, I'm fully recovered now. But years ago, where I used to watch like Christian TV. Um, like on DSTV there, we used to have like Christian channels and you could skip through and watch like healing crusades and all this kind of stuff. And I didn't watch too much of it, obviously. There's only, there's a limit to how much you can watch healing crusades on TV when there's other things to do in life. And, but one thing that, one thing that struck me and maybe you've seen it before is that it seems so often that these days when there's a healing crusade or whatever, there's almost like spotlights and fanfare over the healing that's happening. There's like a, get the person on the platform and then we'll heal them so the whole world can see and we can put it on camera and stuff like that and make a big song and dance about the healer and whatever else and, and here you see jesus pulling the man to the side and so just dealing with the individual and he's not worried that others can't see what's going on he has this particular interest in individuals and and you see it again and again in the gospels and the guys that's something we can't miss that jesus he has like laser-like focus and love and compassion for individual people. And each one of us, he, he loves the church, but he, 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 he deals with us one-on-one. On one. And I, 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 love that. I love that about Jesus. I love the way that he, 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 he just has that kind of intimate, personal, one-on-one -on -one focus and touch. And Jesus pulls him to the side, and it's amazing what he does. This guy can't hear Jesus, and he can't respond to Jesus. So Jesus chooses to communicate with a guy in a way that the guy can understand. He, he, puts, his, he puts his fingers into the guy's ears, almost to indicate to him, I'm about to fix these. This is what I'm doing. And then we're not quite sure what happens. And this is obviously pre-COVID because he spits, he spits either on his hand and touches the guy's mouth, or I don't know, maybe just spat straight on the guy's mouth. I mean, that seems a bit, I don't know. Jesus can do whatever he wants, but I, you know, I, wouldn't, have done, I wouldn't have done that. But uh, <laughs> yet he didn't sanitize anything he just sticks his hands in the oak's ears and then he spits and stuff touches the guy's tongue he's communicating to this guy this is what i'm about to do i'm about i'm about to fix these things i'm about to restore speech because this guy can't hear anything jesus asks him and he can't respond to any of the questions and um and then and then what the, the one thing the guy can do is see and he's looking at Jesus. And what does Jesus do? It says he looks up to heaven. He, he wants this man to know that what's about to happen to him is, is a divinely orchestrated, heaven-sent uh, miracle. It's, it's God who's going to do this um, for him uh, through the touch of Jesus. And then Jesus, there's an interesting word. It says he sighs. He sighs. Um, and that's wonderful. I mean, it's... And it, 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 there's so much in this sigh. It's not a. It's not a sigh like you know. I, yeah, I, a lot of people sigh. I sigh quite a bit apparently. Uh, 
most of my sign is like frustrated kind of sign. You know, Jesus is not standing there saying, oh, yeah, I go. And not that kind of a sigh, like I'm having to heal another one. Um, I think his sigh has two things in it. Um, I think it's, I think it's a sigh of compassion. I think that's in keeping with the personality that we see of Jesus, a sigh of compassion, love for this man. He's just like, I love this man and I'm grateful I can be here to help him and heal him. And it's a sigh, I think, as well over the brokenness of the world. Um, that, that's why Jesus has come into the world to fix that brokenness. And I think there's something in Jesus, in his interaction with this guy, he just again and again in his ministry is bumping up against the brokenness and the results of the fall that he's come to fix um, and, and redeem and repair. And obviously that's coming in, in its fullness one day, but he's in his ministry. This is just a sigh. And um, we, we hear nothing else. Mark doesn't give us any other indication of, of, of the words of his prayer. He just basically looks to heaven and sighs. And then he tells this guy, who commands the guy's ears to be open and immediately his ears are open and he can speak fluently. But uh, I love that. And again, there's, there's lots of modeling that Jesus gives us in the gospels, but I, I wanted to focus on this. I think sometimes just for us to note that sometimes um, sign can, is praying. You know, we don't always know um, what to say, especially when you come up against brokenness and difficulties. Sometimes sign, you know, a, a, heaven, a heavenward glance and a sigh is a prayer. We don't always need to have the right words and long, um, you know, wearing God with long phrases and the correct kind of um, sentences and phraseology to twist his arm. Sometimes just a, a heaven would like look in dependence on God and a sign over the brokenness or the situation we see in front of us or in ourselves or that we encounter is sufficient to, to move God um, in that. And, and this man is instantly and immediately healed, and it's wonderful. As we, as we close this, I want to I see how, how this relates to us, because there, there's so much in this encounter and what that relates to us. And I think this man, this man uh, that we see in Mark's healing is, is a picture of us, um, a particularly pre-faith in Christ, um, deaf to the voice of God, a deaf to the voice of God, unable to worship him, unable to, this, this guy's unable to worship because his, his tongue, his speech doesn't work. He's not able to declare and proclaim the glory and the wonder of God. He's not able to share uh, with others anything that God has done in his life because he is, he is mute. Um, and, and it's a wonderful picture of us before Christ. We, we, we can't hear him and we've got nothing to say because uh, he hasn't done anything in our lives that we can worship him for, or at least we don't think so. And through the gospel, what happens is that God um, changes us and we're able to hear him and he, and he loosens our tongues so that we can worship him. And I think uh, this, is a, this is one of the true markers of the disciples of Jesus is that we're able to hear God. We're able to hear God. Um, and in, in this, I don't mean that we're able to hear an audible voice uh, from God. Uh, if you if you pressed me, I would say I still think God does speak audibly um, to people. Uh, I don't think very much. Um, I don't. So I think it needs to be weighed with a lot of caution because I don't think that's God's normative pattern. 
but I still believe God can do whatever he wants. And, and sometimes I hear stories of people who've, who've heard an audible voice of God and what he's told them doesn't contradict the scriptures. And it's like, cool, like, and the results of that are God honoring, God glorifying. I'm like, I'm happy to go with that. But I do think as a general rule, we need to be fairly cautious of people who say they've heard an audible voice of God and he's told them to do these kinds of things, especially when the things are crazier and crazier, not in line with the scriptures and a bit wing that, and there's a book deal that comes with it. You should be justifiably suspicious of that kind of um, hearing the voice of God kind of vibes. Um, but how, how does God work with us? Our, our having opened up our spiritual ears, that, that's what God does. God opens up a, a spiritual, our spiritual ears, a spiritual understanding, ability to discern things uh, spiritual things in real ways. Uh, Paul puts it like this when he's writing to the Corinthians in First Corinthians chapter two, verse fourteen. He says this, but but the person without the Spirit doesn't receive what comes from God's Spirit because it's foolishness to him. He is not able to understand it since it's devaluated spiritually. What 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 Paul's saying to them is like, look, spiritual things look like foolishness to those who don't belong to God. But to those who do belong to God, it doesn't look like foolishness because we're able to understand them. spiritual things are spiritually discerned. This is one of the ways in which we know we belong to God, that spiritual things make sense to us. You open up the Bible and it's like, oh, okay, when God speaks, we can hear. We can hear his voice. It's not, it doesn't look like foolishness to us. It may look confusing. It may look challenging. It may look a lot of things, but we have a spiritual understanding. I love the way um, Jesus puts it when he's speaking, you know, calling us sheep in John 10, verse 27. He says, my sheep hear my voice. I know them and they follow me. My sheep hear my voice. I know them and they follow me. Uh, it's part of what it means to be a sheep is to know the voice of a shepherd. Um, and we need to dig into a little bit now, like um, how we can know it's God speaking. But this is one of the most discerning, uh, definite markers, and we know that we're Christians, is that we, we are able to hear God and, and relate to me. We are able to receive the revelation and understand spiritual um, things. Uh, what, what, what stops us from hearing God? What are some of the things that stops, stop us from hearing God? Well, I think top of the list is that we, we, don't, uh, we don't listen um, to God. We, we don't read um, the Bible, um, I have lost track of the amount of people who've told me that they don't hear God speak to them anymore. They wonder if God exists because he never speaks to them. And all you have to do is ask a few questions about how much time they spend uh, in, in quiet, ongoing, meditative reading of the Bible. And it's almost always nothing. It's like, okay, well, if you want God to hear, if you want God to speak to you, if you want to hear God, start here. Because this is the primary way in which God speaks. It's through, it's through this book. And I want to encourage you um, that if you, if you would say, Doug, I don't think I've ever heard God speak to me. Well, I haven't heard God speak to me for ages. Start, start with this. Just, just read it again and sit and listen because this, this is the living voice of God speaking to us. And I've been amazed and amazed and amazed and amazed over the whatever, 30 years almost I've been a Christian, how many times and how faithfully and how consistently and in different ways God speaks to me through um, this book. 
it's not just a book it's living it's living words start with start with the bible um i think sin sin can drown out our ability to hear god um it almost like sin almost like clogs up our spiritual ears to put it that way like you must need like earbuds <laughs> that's I suppose what repentance and faith does is like earbuds like cleaning out your ears flashing them out so you can actually hear where there's accumulated or unrepented sin in our lives we shouldn't assume that we would be able to hear God clearly there's things at war there I think I think we live in the noisiest time in human history um, and so there's so much noise there's so much distraction there's so many other things that that just keep our, our, our spiritual ears just full of noise, whether it's social media and TV, news, just laugh, other distractions. There's so much noise. Um, and you, you see, I'm always challenged by this pattern in Jesus. You see him uh, getting up early, getting alone so that he can hear from the Father and engage. Like, the Son of God needed to get away and get to a quiet place so that he could hear from the Father. Um, how much more? do we need to slow down and quieten down so if, if we want to hear if we want to hear god i think i think we're lazy i think we're just sometimes really lazy we say we want to hear from god but like we looked at it last week god god rewards those who earnestly seek him and i think there's just not a lot of earnest seeking in our lives that we need to own and confess i think sometimes we we listen only for what we uh, want to hear uh, and what we agree with so, so god is speaking but we're like yeah no i, I can't i can't that, that's definitely not god speaking especially if he's telling you to do something or he's instructing or he's coming with an authority and it's against kind of like it's not giving you the answer that we wanted we're like ah no no definitely can't be god uh, i was looking for this answer kind of thing but uh, like that rubs the, the wrong way we don't delight in hearing just what he has to say regardless of of what it causes us to change and and i think the last thing on this list is that I think we listen um, in the, I think we listen in the wrong way often. I think we listen for, we listen for secondary things instead of primary things. And what I mean, what I mean by this is that I think the Bible makes it clear that God speaks in primary issues around our character and Christ-likeness and godliness and growth in those things. And we often go to God wanting to listen around who should I marry? What, job should i take what city should i live in blah, blah, blah. god speak to me and i think the point of the scriptures is that god would speak to us around primary issues not primarily around secondary issues it's not that he's not concerned about those things but uh you know when jesus is asked about the most important things he's like hey love the lord your god with all your heart soul mind and strength and love your neighbors yourself do those things and if we would hear god speaking those things to us and apply our spirit impart energy and in a life to those things we would be caught up with a lot of stuff and we bear so much fruit would almost the secondary things would almost take care of themselves uh, let me say this and you can throw rocks at this i don't think god really cares at in a primary sense what job you take or where you live or even who you marry um like i think he is important concerned about all those things and the bible does speak into um, and, and help us and guide us in those things at a principal level, but not in the kind of way that we sometimes want to put out fleeces and discern all this like particular stuff. We waste so much, I think, energy trying to hear from God on secondary things instead of primary things. And I think if we flip that and made it more on primary things, 
we would so love God and so be so full of the life of God and have ears so attuned to um, uh, the spirit transforming us to look more like Jesus that I think a lot of secondary things would become very clear and obvious to us um, and take care of themselves. Anyway, that's a bit of a, let me say, let me, we're going away over time now. Last thing about speech, I think um, he opens man's ears to hear, um, but he opens, he loosens this man's tongue to, to, to speak and God has loosened our tongues. Um, and I wrote it down like this, that I think God loosens our tongues so that we can be worshipers and witnesses. He loosens your tongue so that you can be a worshiper and a witness. Um, last two passages and then we'll close. First Peter chapter two, verse nine says, you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his possession. Why? so that you may proclaim the praises of the one who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Once you were into people, now you're God's people. Once you hadn't received mercy, now you have received mercy. Why has God made us his people? So that we may proclaim, not that we may enjoy, that we may proclaim. It will come out of our mouths. We would speak of the excellencies of the one who called us not just appreciate him in our heart, that we would be worshipers with our mouths, with our lips. We would, it would come out of our mouths in worship and it would come out of our mouths to others as witnesses say, he has done this for me. And like, like these guys in this account in Mark, he has done all things well. That would be what we would be, a people saying he has done all things well. When Peter and John are given a hard time by the religious authorities and they basically told them, like, listen, you actually need to close this down. Uh, you're causing a ruckus in the city. Uh, wind things in, please. This is how they answer in Acts 4 verse 19. It says that Peter and John answered them, whether it's right in the sight of God for us to listen to you rather than God, you decide. For we are unable to stop speaking about what we have seen and heard. You decide whether it's right for us to obey you, but we are unable to stop speaking about what we've seen and heard. And uh, I think that should be our prayer. God, God, make us a people like that, that we're unable to stop speaking about what you have opened up our eyes to see and what we have heard from, from you, that we would be a people whose tongues are loosened as worshipers and witnesses. There's a lot more. But Zoom sermons need to be shorter. This has already been far too long. So I'm going to land this one here with some prayer. And uh, then we'll go into breakout rooms. And oh, looking forward to seeing you guys who can make it uh, in person uh, next Sunday. Let's pray. Let's pray together for a couple of minutes. And then we'll break into, into rooms. Father, thank you um, so much that in the gospel, you have done uh, this miraculous work um, of opening up our ears uh, uh, to hear you. You've opened up our eyes to see you. You've loosened our tongues so that we can rightly um, praise you and, and declare the excellencies of the one who, who called us out of darkness and into light. And um, thank you. We just want to thank you this morning. Um, for making us spiritually alive, for, for waking up our hearts to the reality of who you are, to, for giving us life in your son, Jesus. And we worship you for that. And we 
we pray, we pray that you would help us to hear you more clearly. We pray that you would give us um, spirit-empowered discipline to be in your word. And as we are, that you would, you would reveal to us wonderful things uh, in, in your law, that our eyes would see them, our ears would hear your voice speaking to us, revealing yourself, instructing us in the way that we should live. Um, just amazing us with, with truth and revelation. We so long to hear more uh, of, of your voice. And so we pray that you would give us a greater desire to hear that voice and a greater ability to hear. And as we hear and as we see, you would impart to us greater courage to declare that out of hearts that are changed would come an overflow of worship, an overflow of just this proclamation of how wonderful our God is and, and a courage of boldness to be witnesses of what we have seen and heard. We pray that you would make us like this individually, that you would transform us as a people, as a church, that this would mark us. Um, a group of people, brothers and sisters, brought together in the gospel to be hearers of God and doers, that we, we would hear you and obey. We wouldn't be like, people of old who heard and, 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 and were disobedient that you would give us grace to obey what you reveal to us um, out of joyful hearts and joyful response to, to who you are and what you've done. So we, we pray that you'd help us with these things, and not just today, but as we reflect on these things, may, may they soak down in our hearts and, and change us and transform us for our good and for your glory, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen.